Song of Solomon chapter 8. Song of Solomon chapter 8. Song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. Song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath the most vehement flame. Many waters, many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. The Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord. As I read these words and as I read through your book, Father, I, I've come to the realization, Lord, that you have a great love for us. It's a love I don't understand, Lord God. I can't comprehend that kind of love, Lord, but uh, it is amazing. And Lord, as I present this to the church this morning, Lord God, as we read through your word, Lord, I pray, Father, you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord, and the, your love would be real, Lord. And your Holy Spirit will move among us. Showing us that love, Lord God. Helping us to know that love and to feel that love, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. And Father, it took me having a child, Lord, before I had a child that was born to me, Lord, before I could really understand that love you might have for me, Lord. And I still don't understand it, but I have a little bit of a, a glimpse of it, Lord, and the love I have for my kid, Lord. I thank you, Father, for that love you have for me, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to call you Father. And Lord, I pray, Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know this love that you have for them, Lord, that they would... Come to that realization, Lord, they come on down here and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. I want to preach this morning on God's love for us is mind-blowing. I don't know any other way to put it. God's love for us is absolutely mind-blowing. Back in verse 6, he says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. He says, I want people to see you and I want people to know that I love you. Now, when we were a teenager, we did that. If you had a, we had a ring, you'd make your, your, your girl wear your ring, wear your, your, wear your senior ring or whatever. You'd make them wear a little ring. There's something, you'd make them wear your leather jacket or your letterman jacket. You'd put some seal on some. Somebody came along, they'd say, that one belongs to this one. And God has put his seal on us because when you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, he seals you with the Holy Spirit. Until the day of redemption. He puts a seal on you. He puts a stamp on you. Nobody can break it. The devil can't break it. You can't break it. And it's a seal of love God has for you. And when that seal's put on you, it tells the whole world, it tells the devil that you belong to God and that he loves you. And love is strong. Strong as death. There's nothing much stronger than death. There's nothing that's more fearful than death. But love overcomes all that. Look at verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. This is what they sing about. These are the songs they sing about. You can't buy love. You can't buy love. And you see, you see old men, older, older men, and you'll see them run around with this young girl, like the guy might be 70, and you have a 20-year-old girl that'll be his wife, and he's bought her everything she'd ever want. You've seen them. You've seen them. We were in uh, Branson, Missouri, and we were around, hanging around. Me and my wife were talking, and here comes this beautiful girl. She's got this hat on, and here comes this ugly old guy, you know, and, he's like, and, and she's like, oh, how you doing? And they're taking, he's taking pictures of her, and we're getting off the train and everything else, and I'm sitting there, and you know me, I'm always observing everybody, and I turned to my wife and said, yeah, he bought her, you know. <laughs> well, a guy was with us, and he overheard me, and he come up to me, and he said, hey, I was telling my wife the same thing. <laughs> he had to buy her. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look how ugly he is. He's got to be a doctor. He's got to be a doctor. I said, yeah, he's got to be a doctor. He's trying to buy love. You can't buy love. We know that. You can't buy love. But many waters cannot quench love. Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love. When that love is burning, burning strong like a fire, and that fire is strong, you can't quench it out. You can't put enough water on There's not enough water in the world to quench that kind of love that God has for each one of us. It's amazing. When those Colorado fires were breaking, breaking loose a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Those Colorado fires were burning so strong that those firemen came in, and, and uh, Brother Collins might understand this, but those firemen came in and those fires, and, they, and that wind picked up, and that's like, nope, we're out of here. There's nothing we can do. They said, we just got to back off and let it burn. That's God's love for you. When that Holy Spirit, which is described by Jesus Christ as the wind, when that Holy Spirit, that wind of the Holy Spirit comes in on your heart, that love that God has for you, it starts that flame, and there's not enough water that can, that can drown out that flame of love that God has for you. It's mind-blowing that God would love you that much. He does love you, Christian, that much. It's amazing. It's amazing how much the Lord loves us. You know, we see that where it says... Uh, neither can the floods drown it. Many waters cannot quench it. Neither can the floods drown it. It, may, it reminded me of that story of Jesus Christ when he said that man built his house on the rock. And the winds came and the storms came and the floods came and the rock was there and the house stood because it was on the rock. That rock is the rock of love of Jesus Christ for his church. That's the rock of love Jesus Christ has for His church. Look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to talk about and preach this morning on that love that love has. Now, this is, not, this is good news and this is not bad news, but this might be a new news to you, but this love of God can only be found through Jesus Christ. This love I'm preaching on, this love I'm talking about, that the love of God that's so amazing, that's so mind-blowing, it's found only through His Son, Jesus Christ. Only through the Son, Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Very famous verse. For I am persuaded, Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, Amen. which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. It goes back to what I was saying. It's got to be in Christ. Guys, have you really meditated on those verses right there? Have you, have you really meditated on it? That Paul says that there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God? God's love for you, there's nothing that's going to separate you. Look at this. That neither death, nor life, nor angel, there's not an angel can separate you from the love of God. Nor principalities, nor powers, no demons, no unclean spirits, no devil, no Satan. Nobody can separate you from that love that God has for you. It's unbelievable. Nor things present. Look at the end of verse 38. Nor things to come. Yeah, amen. <laughs> there ain't no future sin. There ain't no future sin that you're going to commit where God says, Oh, okay, I don't love them anymore. It don't work that way with God. Now, it works that way with man. Yeah. 
It works out that way with woman. You can do something wrong and that's it. You're done. Kick you to the curb. I don't love you anymore. Don't work that way with God. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that he has for you in Christ Jesus. I was reading this story. I think it's a beautiful story. Because a lot of us in here are like this. How can God love me? How can God love me? And a man was... Very sick, very ill. He got to think about it. And he, said, he came to his pastor and he said, you know what, pastor? I got to tell you something. Now that I'm sick and now that I'm, I'm, death, is, death is, uh, is on my mind a lot, he said, I got to thinking about it. He said, I'm really concerned about something in my heart. And the pastor said, well, what's your concern? He said, well, the concern is I don't have enough love for God. I'm realizing that the, I don't have the love I should have for God. I should really love God. The pastor says, let me tell you a story. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go home. My little baby's going to be at home. I'm going to pick my little baby up. And my little baby, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tired. I'm going to be worn out. I'm going to pick up my little baby. I'm going to put her on my knee. And she's gonna, I'm going to love all over her. And she's going to bring me such joy and such happiness. And if I, if, if I put my little baby down and I have a broken heart over something, something happens, it's not going to bother that little baby. She's not going to lose a day of sleep. If I leave the room and I'm hurting and I'm in pain and I have some kind of physical ailment and I'm sick and I'm ill, that baby's going to just lay there in bed and sleep really good and not be worried about it. And if I was to, something was to happen to me and I was to die, it wouldn't take but a few days and that little baby would forget about me and move on. But that doesn't change the love I have for that little baby. He said, I'm not the richest man in the world. I'm a poor man, you know that. But there's not anybody in the world that could pay me enough money for, the, for that little baby. To take that little baby from me. You see where this is going? God loves you as a little child. You must enter the kingdom as a little child. The Lord God loves you as a little child. And when you have that love of God coming towards you as a little child, it don't matter if that little child loves you back. It don't matter if that little child cares for you or likes you or doesn't like you. Your love for that little child is so amazing, it's, it's unbelievable. And if you, being evil, have that kind of love, how much more does the love God have for you shine forth for you? God loves you. It's mind-blowing. Why does he? I don't know, but he does. I don't know how many, I had a man to me, uh, a few years back tell me, uh, I would get saved, but there's no way God could love me. What? No, there's no, all the stuff I've done, there's no way God could love you. Well, he does. He, he, I, well, I, he does. He couldn't love me. If you only knew, Pastor, what I did. I don't know what you did, but God does, and he loves you. Well, that's not right if if I did that to somebody, I wouldn't love them. You're not God. <laughs> Thank God you're not God. God's love is unquenchable. God's love, you can't drown it out. God's love, you can't separate yourself from it. God's love in Jesus Christ will humble you down. When you've done some of the most wicked sins and you get down on your knees and you're praying, you're saying, okay, and I'm going to get down and pray and ask God to forgive me. I've I got to go to God. And you know what's coming. You're expecting this lightning bolt to come down and strike you in the back of the head. You expect to die of a heart attack right there. You're expecting all this bad stuff to happen. And you get down on your knees. You start praying to God. And you feel through the Holy Spirit the love of God come in with his arms and wrap himself around you. 
Brothers and sisters, it makes you realize, I don't have that love, but God loves me. And it's mind-blowing. Just <laughs> Look at Romans chapter 5. Turn to the left to Romans chapter 5. Talking about the love of God. Nobody loves like our God. Nobody. Muhammad's God, Allah, Buddha, you pick a God, I don't care, you pick any God, Zeus, I don't care what God you pick, no God loves like our God. What makes him, such a, what makes him so amazing in his love? He loves you while you're an enemy. I read in the Quran where Allah tells him, you destroy your enemy. You fight them, you kill them, you run them out. My God says, love your enemy. Why does my God tell me to love my enemy? Because he loves his enemies. And everybody underneath the sound of my voice at one time was an enemy with God. You're an enemy with God. You're a sinner. You were doomed and damned. And you were going to hell without God. You're an enemy. You deserved hell. But in his infinite love, he came down to save you while you were an enemy. That's the love of God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. That love of God is in every one of our hearts. And it says it's shed abroad. The love of God is shed abroad. Shed like you shed blood. It's spilled out. Abroad, it has no limits. It's abroad, it's everywhere. That love of God is so deep in our heart, it fills our heart up so much that it overflows onto other people. Yeah. And we start loving other people that we think we thought we could never love. We start doing things out of love we thought we could never do it. It's not our love, it's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that fills our heart, our cold heart. It's filled up with that love of God. And it's, He just pours in so much of it that it just overflows and sheds abroad onto other people. Yeah. To the point where I have people, when you do something for somebody, and they're like, oh, thank you for doing this. Don't thank me. Thank Jesus Christ. Yeah. Thank the Lord God. Because it's not me. It's God in me. Because I don't have that love. I have hate and despising and ridicule. I have envy. That's all in me. That's in my flesh. But when God pours that love in me, it just comes up and shed abroad and it overflows. And boy, here we go. The things we do for people is not our love, but God's love overflowing from us to them. And it's God's love. Look at Romans chapter 5. Look at, look at verse 6. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. So we said in verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the righteous. He didn't die for the holy. He didn't die for those that deserve it. He died for the ungodly. And if you're going to be a saved, born-again believer, you must realize that you at one time were ungodly and that you're a sinner. That's what's wrong with America. That's wrong with, what's wrong with Christianity in America. Nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. That they're unrighteous. That they're sinners. 
Everybody walks around holier than thou. Well, I'm not acting like them. I'm God likes me just the way I am. And God, they don't realize, no, you're a sinner and you're ungodly and you need a Savior in Christ Jesus. And when you're without strength, we were all without strength without Jesus Christ. My strength is Jesus Christ. That wrestler, uh, Bobby, uh, what was his name? That was Minnesota governor. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Was that his name? No? Y'all know who I'm talking about? The, the, the wrestler that became the, the governor of Minnesota? See, none of y'all are wrestling fans. So I'm, just, I'm just preaching to the wall right now. One of the things he said in a Playboy interview, they interviewed him in Playboy because he was a Minnesota governor, and he said, you know what, I don't like Christianity. Christianity is nothing but a crutch. And Christians just use Christianity as a crutch. <laughs> You're wrong, man. Christianity ain't a crutch to me. Christianity is my life. Christianity is my very breath. It's more than a crutch. And you don't get it. And you're not going to get it until you become a Christian. Because you don't realize how much strength you don't have. Verse 6. You don't realize how ungodly you are. Verse 6. Until you get around this holiness of Jesus Christ. Verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And they have. We hear about it in wartime where maybe somebody, some man sacrifices for one of his fellow men that he likes, that he's, that's his friend. We hear about it happening. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. But verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. How's that? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. <laughs> that's the, that verse right there is beautiful. God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the world's got this idea that Christianity is okay. Now you go out and you start doing these good deeds. You start going to church. You start praying to, to Jesus Christ. You start living a holy life. You start cleaning yourself up. And then God will save you. And you'll get saved. And you'll keep these commandments. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity at all. What Christianity is, I'm lost. I'm doomed. I need a Savior. I'm ungodly. I can't help myself. Will you do it for me, Jesus? And he gets on the cross. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to die for you. And die because you're a sinner and you're lost. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. Amen. Christ didn't go to the cross because there's a bunch of good people he's trying to save. Jesus Christ went to the cross because of all you wicked sinners. <laughs> Including me. Can you imagine some sorry, filthy, murdering, raping person in jail and them coming to me and say, Hey, Keegan, there's a murdering, raping, sorry, no good person in jail. And if you'll let us have your son, we'll let him out. <laughs> Hit the road, man. What are you talking about, let him out? That's what God did. Sorry, no good, murdering, rapists, sinners, liars, cheaters, adulterers, everything you can think of in the book, child molesters, you can think of it. They done it. And Jesus Christ says, I'll die for them. And God says, I'll let you, I'll give my only son. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Any believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, He gave. 
But God commended this love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a friend to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Proverbs 17, 9 says, A he that covereth their transgression seeketh love. God wants your love. God wants to love you and God wants your love. The Proverbs 17, 9 says, He that covereth their transgression seeketh love. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Love covereth all sins. See, it's the love of God for us that gets us into heaven. It's not our love for God. It's the love God has for us. While we're yet sinners, He dies for us. Look at verse 10 of Romans chapter 5. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Some missionaries went over to Korea and they went over to a little village over in Korea and they were preaching and they got there and they were preaching and almost the whole village came out. And they were excited and the missionaries were preaching and preaching. It got around 10 o'clock, got around 10.30 and the missionaries were getting wore down and so they shut her down. They said, okay, everybody. And they, they went into this other side room in the building to, to get some sleep and get some rest. And they went in there and they could hear people in the other room. Talking and yakking and talking and yakking and talking. So around 2 o'clock in the morning, they couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't get any sleep, so they got up. And one of the missionaries went in and said, Hey, guys, we can't sleep in here. Will y'all go home? Just go home. You know what the village leader said? The village leader said, How can you come in here and tell us that God is not vengeful? God is not after us. God is not out to kill us, but that God loves us and that he wants to reconcile himself to us through his son. And all we have to do is believe in his son dying on the cross and we'll have salvation. How can you come and tell us all of that and expect us just to go home and get some sleep? This is the best news we ever heard. <laughs> we forget about it. We forget about it that God loved us and God died for us and God loves us. He didn't just love us. When he died for us and sent his son, he loves us today. It doesn't change. Did I not read where it says that love is unquenchable, that waters can't drown that love out? That love is never going to, you can't be separated from that love. Now, what happens is we stop loving. And we get down and we start sinning. We start doing things we shouldn't do and we start going, well, does God love me? I don't know why. Why would God love me? I'm here to tell you this morning, there's some good news. God loves you. He wants the best for you. He loves you, loves you, loves you. Look at 1 John chapter 3. We're going to close in 1 John. How amazing is God's love? It's, it's, it's more amazing than we can comprehend. It's mind-blowing. God's love for us is mind-blowing. 1 John chapter 3, verse. let's look at verse 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. There's one thing that, that runs through all of John's writings. All of John's writings is the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. What you'll find when you read all of John's writings is this. There's a theme of love through that whole thing. John 
John 15, 13, greater love hath no man. That's all about love. Now look at verse 16. First John, John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we. How do we know? How do we know that God loves us? Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do I know God loves me? You see him up there on that cross? He loves you. Oh, I'm not sure. What more does he have to do? See all that blood coming down? You see his hands pierced? You see that crown on his head? You see that, that pierce on his side? You see him take his life, last breath? He loves you. How do I know? He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Turn to chapter 4, the same book. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. How do we know God loves us? Because He laid down His life for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. And this, and this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. <laughs> Guys, the love that God has for the world is manifested through the cross of Calvary. And this goes back to the first of my sermon, is this. You can't find this love outside of Christ. You're wasting your time. And if you're going through any religions, any other person, any other God, you're going any other way to try to get to God, it don't work. You've got to go through Jesus. This only works through Jesus Christ. That's where it's manifested out. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. That's what we're doing. He died so we might live. Verse 10, herein is love... What's real love? That Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation is a payment on an altar. I love God. I love God. Do you really? Oh, I love God. Do you really? I love God, Brother, pa Brother Keegan. I love God. Do you really? Well, it doesn't really matter. Because the truth is, it's not about our love for God. It's about God's love for us. See, when I was praying, this has really been heavy on my heart because of my son. And uh, no, having a son, you know what I realized through all of this? And I've had some people say, man, my, 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 my kids, they won't have nothing to do with me. They, 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 they won't acknowledge me. They do this, that, and other. And, I'm, and I finally just say to them this. It, it really isn't it about your love for them and not their love for you? Because the truth is, is that no matter what happens with my son or what happens with my kids, I love them. And I don't care what they do back to me, I'm still going to love them. Verse 14, and we'll close. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. 
Because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is made, not made perfect in love. That perfect love of God is what gives us the, the it, that perfect love of God is what casts away all the fear we have. And if you have any kind of fear, it's because you're not perfect in that love that God has for you. You don't understand that love. That God, look at verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're a sinner, maybe you're a heathen, however you, you, maybe you say you're an atheist, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. And he showed you that love at the cross. And I hope and pray and I beg you that you'll find this love because I'm telling you, I've been in this world for a while and I can't speak for everybody who's been in this world for a while, but there's been no greater love I've ever been shown to me than what Christ has shown to me. I have, a, I have a loving wife, I had a loving mother, I have a loving family, I have loving sisters, I have loving a, a church family. I mean, I've had all the love you could think of the world could give you, but I've never had the love that God has given me. It's amazing. Because I've messed up and messed up and messed up and messed up, and he just keeps saying, it's going to be okay, I love you. I love you. Well, God, the sin, I did it. Nothing's going to separate you from my love. I love you. And I ask and beg you that you'll believe like verse 16 says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. And that's believing in Jesus Christ on the cross. We love him because he first loved us. What an amazing statement. That God could have such amazing love for us and we were enemies to him. If y'all could explain that to me, catch me after church and explain that to me. Because I don't get it. But I know it is real. Because when I've got down, like I said, when I've got down on my knees as a sinner and begged God to forgive me for some wicked sin, he's always shown me some of the most amazing love. Dear Heavenly Father, I can't thank you enough for your love. I don't understand it. But I do appreciate it. And it humbles me. And it makes me realize that I don't have enough love like I should. For my fellow man, for my fellow brother and sister, for my wife, for my kids, Lord, I don't have the right love I should have, Lord, for my, just my friends, my co-workers, Lord. I should have that kind of love because you're giving me so much love, Lord. It's overflowing my heart and sometimes I'm, 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 I'm quenching it. I'm not letting it go forth, Lord God, because of my flesh. And I pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit to help me to release that love. That it'll go to other people, Lord. I'll show the love you have for them. And Lord, I can't thank you enough for showing me the love you have for me on the cross and dying for my sins while I was an enemy, while I was lost, while I was without strength and ungodly. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that this isn't just available to me. It's available to anybody that's willing to come and take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I thank you for that whosoever gospel. And thank you, Lord, it don't matter what color they are, what nation they're in, that they can take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thank you again, Lord, for your love. And I can't thank you enough for just loving us in that pure, unquenchable love. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life.
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him